Yep, and welcome back to Sharp Stats, talking Yanks, John Boy, KT Sharp, the whole squad ready. Is that a phrase I say now? I don't think so. We are here to talk about some fun topics today. Definitely not uh, the Monday night Tampa Bay game, if, if you're listening for that. Uh, get out of here, because we don't want to talk about it. Maybe a couple sad references. That's it. What we are going to talk about is is some of the stuff we've been seeing lately. The base running. Um, so that might not actually be the happiest of topics, but we'll talk about what we've been seeing there. The runners in scoring position. I, I think we're going to have some highs and lows there. A little DD segment. And, of course, the sharpest stat of the week with KT Sharp. Myself, talking Jake, here with John Boy. Let's get our sharp stats on. How's how's everyone doing today? I'll start with Jimmy because we are in the same room, staring at each other, sweating at each other. Jimmy, how you doing, bro? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, I'm, I'm excited that we have the distraction of the pregame show and sharp stats to get us to this next game. I said this on the pregame show, that game that we're not talking about. It was brutal. And this is the good thing about baseball. The next day, let's get back to it. Or it's the bad thing because, you know, a bad first inning or a bad first couple innings, and now it's building. But I'm going to stay positive. CeCe's had been good against the Rays. Anyone listening, this has already all happened. So you, you're in a completely different mood than we are right now because you have been <laughs> get granted the next game. So that's, I'm waiting. That's a great point. Uh, so <laughs> we're, let's, uh, we'll be happy. Yeah, we, we won just, it. What a game! What a oh game. my god, Katie, tell the people about that that game they just watched last night. Oh, the game on Tuesday. I mean, it was amazing. CC, he was just dealing. He was just mowing through those Rays, Rays hitters. Sweat pouring down. And you know he yes. loves the heat. We know that when the temperature goes up, CC gets better. And as we in, it's getting hot there in New York City. So CC, he had a gem. And then we had a little Hicksie home run um, to start things off in the first inning. Or, and then uh, Glaybabe, he followed it up with a couple RBI doubles. And we just rolled. I mean, there yeah. you go. Everyone that took a picture with uh, Rookie the Bat Dog before the game hit two home runs. That was nuts. I've never seen anything like that before. Oh, good for him because he got invited back. Yeah, and now so he's back for tonight's game. Um, all right, we'll we'll stop doing that shtick, even though that's a little fun. Uh, let's let's jump into it, Cates. Um, well, hey, no, let's not. I let's I, not. I, how was how was your All Star break? We've done oh, it. We've already oh. done that. Are we already Jake, gone? Yeah, Jake, we, Jake um, forgot about the last episode. Are we losing yeah, the Jake, whole we, season? Oh yeah, we did Thursday after the All Star break. We did a Thursday episode. Th- um, that's I've been good though. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad, and the people deserve to know that. Um, <laughs> then you know what? Let's jump right in. Yeah, fine. Right. You guys talked to me. Let's into go. It. Let's KT, go. You sent over the topics. That's uh, a little behind the scenes. You send over some. Some hot topics. We're we're normally in lockstep with them. Uh, when Jimmy and I looked at the topics this week, your number one topic, it it actually made Jimmy stand up straighter. He let out a little like, "Ooh, I wanted to talk about that." <laughs> and it's the Yankees base running because it's it's an important topic and it's something that <laughs> if you've been watching the games, you've <laughs> somewhat unfortunately had to notice. So uh, with that, KT Sharp, go follow her. What are you doing? Um, Katie, what what do you have on the Yankees base running? Well, 
I'm sorry, I'm going to be the bringer of some bad news, but it, it's not good. Um, and this was actually, I, it was prompted by a, a question I got on Twitter, and I, I, I wish I could remember the followers' uh, handle, but I can't at this point, at this, uh, at this minute right now. But um, uh, he asked, kind of, uh, you know, what analytics or what stat have the Yankees gotten worse at this year? Um, and you know what kind of would be sort of the biggest second half concern? And because, and I, I get that that's easy because there's been a lot of great things this year. I, mean, I think we've been kind of, you know, jaded that you know all the t- all the stuff that we usually talk about on this show has been oh this guy's improving and this guy's that, that and this team is doing so much better this year. Um, but it's also important to kind of look back and say you know things haven't gone things aren't all roses, um, and the the Yankees are. You know, worse meaningfully in in a couple in a couple areas, um, and uh, you know, looking towards the second half, obviously the biggest concern has to be the pitching, and we know that that's one of the biggest deadline deals. But I think that some, an underrated part of this team that really needs to improve is the base running. Um, and what I did, so what I wanted to do was just compare what the team had done this year compared to last year, and then also compare it to the rest of the league. Uh, and before I do that, I, I really do want to just kind of explain to people like how you measure base running because it's, it's confusing. I mean, it's not straightforward. It's not like hitting. You know, it's not like offense when, you know, you hit or, you know, with pitching, you know, it's how well you're pitching. Um, so, and, and, and also, you know, base running isn't a huge part of the game. Um, you know, obviously you want to have a good offense and you want to have a good defense and good pitching. But it's it's one of those underlying factors that can really swing games um, and create extra runs. Um, so like taking the extra base, stealing bases, avoiding outs on the bases, that can add some meaningful runs to the team uh, during the year, and and that all adds up to uh, all adds up to wins. Um, so the way that base running is basically broken down, you can kind of ba- break it down into stolen bases, which people are you know, pretty familiar with caught stealings, but also taking the extra base, being thrown out on the bases, um, things like that. So we've, that's just kind of the way that you can do it. And then what, you know, how you do this sort of analytically, sabermetrically, however you want to say it, is you then would convert those um, events into runs above and below the league average. So there's different formulas to do that. And this is not like real runs. So I'm not saying that when this guy takes a base, an extra base, he's creating, you know, this many extra real runs for the team. It's more of just an estimate um, based on history. Uh, So just kind of keep that in mind when I'm kind of citing some of these stats and numbers. Um, And so, uh, so that, so there we go. We got stolen bases. And then what I like to call like just other base running plays. Um, and so we can kind of break it down into those two things. And then further, and this is where I'm kind of getting into the little nitty-gritty, is that uh, all those non-stealing, you know, non-stolen base, base running plays, those can then be able to be broken down further into advancing on, like, ground balls, advancing on fly balls, and then advancing on hits. Um, so if you kind of, you know, those are, that's and that's pretty obvious. You know, there's definitely, there's, there's a lot of value being able to go to first to third on a single or going home to second on a single um, or second to home on a, on a single or something like that um, because, uh, you know, those can directly lead to either additional runs or just make more runs more likely, right? So if you're going to 
if you're able to advance on the base paths more than what the uh, the actual hit would say. Um, so that's why it's important um, when you want what what you're looking at here. Uh, so kind of just some uh, some basic stats here for you. Um, now bear with me just for a second. There's you can find these stats on Fangraphs and also on Baseball Perspectives. Those are the two big sites that have um, base running stats. So now this is where we're going to kind of get into the run value stuff. So this year, based on Fangraphs total base running metric, which combines what I said, the stolen bases and combines the other base running plays, all that stuff has cost the team, you know, this is an estimate again, about two runs. And that ranks 20th in the majors. So neg they're in the they're in the red. Negative. You don't want to be in the negative. You don't want to be costing yourself runs <laughs> with right. your base running. Bottom third of baseball. Right? Bottom third in baseball. Last year, they gained fi- about 15 runs, which was the highest in baseball. Whoa! So that's a bi- that's a big big shift, a big decline. And I don't think people really realized how either how good they were last year. Or how bad they are this year. I did not um, realize they were good last year. Yeah, they were really efficient. Um, and that was both in stealing and in the other base running plays, like taking the extra bases and things like that. Um, so, yeah. so And I think that was one of the things that really helped them last year when they weren't able to hit with runners in scoring position as well as they did this year, was that they were able to create other opportunities to score runs. Um, and just gave them more chances. Um, so just kind of breaking that down, um, you know, like I said, there's the ball in play, base running stuff, when you, you know, taking the extra base, and then there's the stolen bases. So I'll start with the first one. Um, so this year, they have taken the extra base about 39% of the time, which is below the league average of 41%, uh, and that ranks 23rd in the majors this year. So they're even more, you know, they're they're really bad. Mm. Um, last year they were at forty-one percent, so it was about league average last year in terms of taking the extra base. Um, uh, basically, and then if you kind of want to look at it in terms of how that converts to runs, this year they're they've lost about one run with those non-base non-steal base running plays, and uh, last year they gained about ten which was the third highest. So <clears throat> that's a swing of 11 runs, which is basically, if you kind of think about 10 runs as one win, a little bit more than one win just to, just for running the bases, you know, just for taking that extra base. Right. And that's, Katie, um, I guess my, my first question I'd kind of want to send towards you is, and I, I, I almost want to turn this into a trivia, so let me know if I'm jumping the gun and maybe we'll save this for a little bit. But, I mean, are these running base running stats, can you individualize them? Can we firmly say who would be, like, one, two, three on the Yanks? <laughs> okay, because I'd almost want to play a little trivia game with Jom and slash the people listening um, and kind of guess who the best base runners for. Because I, I think we have some educated guests, but if, if you want to save that for a little bit, we could save that, or, or we could play that game right now. I'm, I'm ready. I think let's, I know let's it. Let's do it now. Okay, All right, who, let's go. Who, who, who you no got, looking. Jim? Brett Gardner's no the best 
the eye test. I'm gonna be coming okay, on behalf of the eye test. test here. The eye test tells me Brett Gardner's the best Everyone base runner has to have on the team. One of the best base runners in baseball. Going first Ooh. to third, first to home. I think he's phenomenal. And I think that the stats do back that up. My next one is Judge. I think Judge is the second best base runner on the team. He's really good. And then I would say Hicks would be my third. I don't know if like Wade counts. Um, well, I'll let's Katie not answer. count. Let's count guys just on the on the roster. You know, not <laughs> those are those, th- those are my three. Then I'm going Gardner, Judge, Hicks. One, two, three. Now are you, Jake, think, you have- now we're just doing we're just doing like the non steal stuff, right? <clears throat> non steals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, non steal stuff. Okay, because like I said, you can break it down both ways. All right, go, Jake. Jake, yeah, do you have- I'm, I'm I'm trying to think who any dark horses are. I I think if you if you watch the games regularly, Gardy's Avi. I think Judge should be up there. I'm and and maybe this is part of the problem. I'm fighting to find a third. Cameron Mabin, does he have enough it, to count? I mean, if Mabin counted, I guess I'd throw him on there. Um, I I think people might laugh. I I'd, I'd almost throw Gary out there. Um, just because I I think a lot of our infielders are kind of bad base runners. <laughs> Katie's laughing in your face. Good. <laughs> she laughed in your Good. face. <laughs> I like. I, I'm the entertainer on this show. You guys bring the facts. <laughs> All right, Katie. Did I do good? Did Jake do terrible? Um, you okay? You both did good, and you both had some terrible in there. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So you Just guys don't end this got, with Luke Voigt's a good base runner. Yeah. Please. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, you guys obviously got Brett Gardner as being the best on the team. Um, he's really good. Uh, and then Cameron Maben, good good one there for Jake. He's second. Um, that was me. And then Judge is actually fourth. Okay. But the third guy, I think, is going to really surprise you. DJ. And actually, yes, because okay. we know. Makes sense. We know he's sneaky. He's awesome. He's a gazelle. I don't know, however you want to say it. Um but uh, but yeah, so those are your top three: DJ Cameron and, and Brett Gardner, um, and then um, uh, laughably, uh, Gary Sanchez is is be- way below average. He is um, one of the worst, not the worst. Gary um, has had some heads up base running plays. I think we're coming off the game versus the Blue Jays when Gary ran to second in 8.7 seconds and then scored from first on Edwin's double. So Jake's still a little high on the euphoria of that game. I'm in the room with Jimmy. Yes. I'm trying to fluff him up a little bit. Anyways. Um, and Hicks is also surprisingly below average as well. I actually like um, thought that. I was just thought like maybe Hicks is good because oh, he's he fast. No, yeah, I mean he's he's not. I, can't re- I just think that he's not very instinctive. I can't know? remember Hicks he's ever not very doing aggressive. something like great on the base paths, which and that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, I say, I, and then I think, I think the biggest the biggest shot. I mean, and well, this is actually not a shocker, but Glaber Torres is the second worst. But that's and he. He's been he's been bad for you know. So this wait, year G- and last year Gary's the worst. No, 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 no. Uh, Luke. Luke, Luke Voigt's source. I mean, we have a... Because Didi's yes. horrendous. Uh, Didi uh, is about average. I mean, it's pretty That's, small. Is that just this season? For him. Yeah, I'm yeah, just looking at this Because, like, if we did yeah, last... Yeah, yeah, I, sw- yeah. I promise you Didi would be... Yeah, probably last year. But, um, but yeah, so those are the those are the individuals. And, um, you know, I think that there are... You know, I think... That, 
one of the surprises for me definitely was DJ. Um, just because I think that it's it's an underrated part of his game, and he is you got to have smarts. I mean, as we as we know, you can be fast. Where I you know I think that I think Aaron Hicks is pretty fast in terms of sprint speed, um, but uh, but he doesn't make very good decisions. Whereas DJ may not be as fast, but but definitely makes those good decisions. Um, so kind of getting back to that was a fun little trivia. Um, getting back to some of the numbers. Um, I really wanted to break it down because I think this is going to be an important thing to note of taking that extra base in that the thing the where they are the worst because there's different ways you can take an, take an extra base. They're really bad at going from first to third on a single and from second to home on a single. And this will come up late, a little bit later in the show, so I want you guys to remember that. So they are both, they're 25th in the league in terms of the percentage of times that they go first, they're able to go first to third on a single, and 20th in the league in terms of the times that they're able to go from second to home on a single. I think that's, that, that's really kind of uh, the heart and the core of this, of this, uh, of this bad base running, um, is that they're just not able to stretch those singles into, into extra bases and, and into more opportunities to score, to put, themselves, to put people in scoring position. Um, rather than just at second base, uh, Katie, a, a little so. devil's advocate here. I mean, would and just thinking out loud a little bit, would a lot of that be related to the Yankees relying on power hitting and not wanting to make extra outs on the bases and not wanting to push it uh, yeah, first to third? I was going to say maybe this is by design. Last year, like, hey, if you're on second, you're in running scoring position. Gardner, if you're on first, you're in scoring position. Like, you know, let's not make outs on the base paths. And maybe that's why they were so good last year. And then this year they're trying to change it because of all the replacements. That That's just, uh, that's my brain went there as well. But who, that's I, an, it's an interesting theory. I just don't, to me, I don't see why you would ever want to be safe in terms, you know, like I know we have a, we had a lot of power hitters last year and, you know, maybe that's something to do with steals. Um, but I think that when you're when you're ba- when you're running the bases, I think that you want to kind of maximize every hit. Um, so that's just you know my theory. But um, but it is interesting to see. I would I mean it would be interesting to to ask Boone or ask other people um, if there has been sort of any change in philosophy in terms of the base running because they're clearly not being as aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of taking that extra base, so I think that that's actually a really good a really good thing to maybe dive a little bit deeper into if you can if we can get people to talk to uh, some of the decision makers. There. I have one um, I have one test that I'm going to look at right now, and it's going to let us know everything in my brain. Now, I'm just going to look at how many attempted stolen bases Gardner had last year versus. Okay, mm-hmm. so he had ten. All of last or all of last season, he had 18 attempts. In 2017, he had 28, 20, 25. So it was his least amount of attempts, and I think that's by design. I think you got Judge and Stanton behind you. We don't need you running into outs, and that maybe is a catalyst to well, everything this, else. Yeah, I mean, and last year we know that um, you know obviously we have different people in different batting orders, but I think it with with Gardner at the bottom, it kind of is the same the same yeah. way that he. He would be on base for Judge and and um, Stanton last year, and, and and the same this year for Judge. Uh, so, um, so that kind of is that's where I'm at in terms of 
like that first part that I said about the base, the non-steals, the base running plays, uh, something that we really, I think, you know, really needs to be fixed or, or just kind of uh, taken into consideration um, in ter- so in terms of uh, this team's ability to, to create runs. Um, it, it's an underrated aspect of this team that, that, that they're not doing well in. Um, and then the second part here is the stolen bases. Uh, and the only sort of silver lining here is that they don't steal very often. They're about 20th in the league in terms of the percentage of times that they can that they steal uh, based on the number of opportunities that they have, like with, obviously with a, you know, a base open on second or third and, and a player there. Um, but the numbers are not good. So the way that st- steal, the way that steals work, and I kind of want to explain this a little bit, it's not just about counting stolen bases and caught stealings because that really misses some of the the true impact of, of steals and caught stealings in the fact that the value of a steal is actually smaller than the cost of making it out when you steal. If you think about it, um, you know, if you don't, if you, if you steal, that's great, but there's always a chance to move up a base later in the inning. But if you make an out, you can't undo the out and there's only, you only get three outs. So you can't undo that out. So making it out is actually worse than um, the benefit you get from one steal, stealing one base. So you can't, that's why you can't just look at like their stolen base rate or their caught stealing rate or how many steals a player has. You have to kind of convert that, like I said before, into runs or theoretical runs, estimates of runs. Um, So that's what I'm doing here when I talk about stolen bases and the effect of that has on on their overall base running. So this year, they're stealing... Their, you know, attempted steals and stolen bases or whatever has cost the team about one, one to one and a half runs, which is 21st in the league. Last year, it, they were about neutral. Didn't really cost them runs, didn't really gain much, um, which was they were about 13th, you know, so middle of the pack last year. So basically last year, um, they weren't doing anything wrong per se. This year they're doing stuff wrong. And that's mostly reflected in their success rate, which is about 70% this year, which is 20th. Last year, they were at 75%, which was 10th. Um, So league average is about 72, 73%. In order to add some value, it's got to be a little bit 74, 75%. So they are basically running into outs when they steal. That's kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, And like I said... It's not a huge impact on like total runs because they're kind of they're much lower in terms of the number of times that they steal, but it's still it's something to think about, um, you know. Just and I think that you know that's I don't really have an answer for that because there's a lot of the same players um, from this year to last year in terms of the people that would steal the most. Um, yeah, like Brett Gardner I can remember and Aaron at Higgs, least, but I can remember at least three hit and runs that failed and resulted in caught stealings. I know there was one when DJ was up in a, in a, like a, like a, with some count there, you th- you expect a fastball and he'd got a mm-hmm. terrible pitch and then the runner was thrown out. And then Gary and Hicks uh, versus the Toronto in the Toronto series. So some of the, some of the caught stealings are like, Failed hit and runs, which you can't really that count. That labor for. delay steal the other night. 
Glaber uh, yeah, I mean, it's things Glaber like that. and stop hanging yeah. out. Also, we're, we're, Voight has run into, what, four outs on the base paths? Just being sent home because Phil Nevin forgets that he runs in quicksand? Yeah. Yeah. I think so that, that, I mean, there's, I think with the steals, my theory with, with steals is that um, I'd rather see them, you know, be average. You know, they don't necessarily need to be above average in steals. Like to be, you know, creating extra runs, but you can't lose runs with your st- with your steal attempts. You know, that's just that's the worst. That's not being like too aggressive. Like maybe if you lose runs with your base running, trying to take that extra base, maybe you're being a little bit too aggressive, which can sometimes be a good thing or whatnot. Maybe you're you know trying to hold out for 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 another hit, but when you lose value with your steal attempts. That just seems dumb to me. Um, because Poor risk it's, management. It's such a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And well, I, I, I guess one thing, Katie, I, I would send back to you a little bit, and it, it was the way that you, the the person that reached out to you, had originally phrased this. Let's say it's the All Star break, and and we're sitting in a room. Um, who who wants to be Cashman? Who wants to be Boone? Who wants to be Oppenheimer? No, we don't have to. We don't have to go that far, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Katie, we we've got the stats and we've got the information. W- what do you do if if this was the hey All Star break team meeting? Is it just we have to run the bases better? Is it taking advantage of of pitchers that are slow to the plate and bad catchers? I I mean, what what's the answer? I think that it's I think it, it's a lot of coaching. I think it's talking to people who I think it's like letting the good base runners know that they need to take advantage of their opportunities more and trying to rein in some of those poor base runners that we identified and that the stats and the numbers identified. Uh, I think it's just being aware of who is on the base pass at what time. Um, and it's not, the, it's the players, but it's also the coaches too. Cause we know how much, you know, we get, they get all those fancy signs and stuff from the benches. Um, so it's the coaches, but it's also a lot on the players knowing their own limits. Um, and I think that, you know, so that's that's one way. I think that there is also an opportunity for for a player like maybe a Cameron Maven to get some more playing time um, when he gets healthy uh, because of the value that he can add. A guy like Mike Talkman, he's really good at running the bases. Um, not surprising because he's super fast and he's, he's an awesome football player as well. Um, so he knows how to run. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, I think that's that. I think I think this may be an opportunity for you know if for Tyler Wade to shine in September. Uh, I don't. I think that you know they may not. There, he's a definitely a potential call up for September, um, and we've seen him be pretty good on the base pass in the past. The past couple, I think last year he got a call up in September, a little September cup of coffee. Um, so that's that's what I say. I mean, it's not one of those things where you can kind of go work on your mechanics <laughs> or or do whatever. I guess you can watch some video. I think that that might be helpful. Um, and uh, but it is really kind of just a, a teaching and, a, and an awareness thing. I think. Yeah the 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 few the proud the Wade stands get a little hope on sharp stats. How about that? Wow, big time, big time. Well, this was a bit of a bummer conversation around stolen bases, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my trivia out early. Bring it up a little bit. I think this one's for both of you. Okay. As long as Katie Ooh. doesn't cheat. Okay. Can't trust right, her. I will, uh, 
in uh, when Joe Torre took over the Yankees, he implemented stealing. If you look at the 90 to 95 teams and then 96 on, the amount of stolen bases and guys who had 10 or more stolen bases jumps up like crazy. Okay. In 1998, six Yankees had double-digit stolen bases. I need you two collectively to name them. Oh, come on. Who was the shortstop, Katie? I, I don't know. Like, um... Was it Chuck Knobloch? I can't, I Jetter. can't remember. Well, Chuck Knobloch led the team with 31 stolen bases. Right, so let's go Knobloch Jeter. Jeter had 30. Yeah. I want to say Polio used to snag some bags, Kate. Do I get to come in here? Yeah, yeah. You guys are doing it as a team. We're a team. Okay. Oh, Bernie. Yep. Bernie had 15 and Paul O'Neill had 15. So okay. you got How two How many others. are we at now? You got four. We're, we got Knobloch, four. Knobloch 31, Jeter 30. Bernie, 15. O'Neal, 15. I feel like there was a couple years where Jorge Would tried to Sprocious? steal bases, and he got caught Would stealing Brocious a lot. Be? This was not that year, Jake. Uh, in 98, Jorge had one attempt, one okay. caught stealing, no stolen bases. Brocious is correct. He had 11 stolen bases and eight caught stealings. Not great. That's not good. See, that's where you, that's where, that's not good. You don't that's celebrate the losing. 11. That's called losing value. <laughs> yep. And there's one more. Come on now. So who's in left? Spencer? Is Ricky Leday around yet? Spencer? Do we have a runner? Is Homer Bush hanging out on the team? Spencer's um, like a good thought process, but just think of a different guy than Spencer, but of the same vein in my brain, at least. Okay. Okay. Think um, of God. Giorgio. <laughs> think of. Yeah. Clubhouse fight. Oh. Think of a guy who's got oh, the same um, name as a pitcher and the same name as the Grandy Man. Oh, my, my fight was a bad clue. Um, I, I've got it, Kate. Oh. You got it? No, you go. I, I can't remember. Chad Curtis. Chad Curtis. Ah. That's right. I a bad guy. Bad guy now. A yeah, bad he's guy. a bad guy. Like a bad guy. super bad That's guy. That's why we, I don't remember it. Yeah. And uh, him and Jeter got in a, a fight, and Jeter said, you're gone. Basically traded him away. Thought, uh, yeah, yeah. Thought, thought we were going to end this on a high note. <laughs> so we landed on If Chad you guys Curtis. guessed Chad Curtis first and Brocious last, we would have ended on a high note. So it's on you guys. That's uh, Well, wow. He spun it on us, Sorry. Kate. Well, sp- speaking of spinning it, from... Runners on the bases to runners on the bases while guys are at the plate. Uh, getting runners off the bases. Getting, trying said. to get runners off the bases so they don't run into outs. Uh, Katie, we, we've talked a little bit and normally at a high note about uh, David John making it long gone with the runners in scoring position and the silly numbers he's been doing. We wanted to open that up to the team a little bit, and I, I think we're going to have some high notes here with a couple low notes because um, they showed a graphic the other day that I think I think three of the top six hitters in the American League with runners in scoring position are on the Yanks. I want to say DJ... Glaber and Gary, maybe uh, I might be screwing that up, but um, I, I think we also have uh, a couple holes. And I mean, if this if the lineup keeps struggling out of the break, we're going to have people start screaming about this. So, Katie, what what do we need to b- know about the New York Yankees with runners in scoring position? 
All right. And the reason I wanted to kind of pair this with the base running is because, like I said, you know, base running is another way that you can kind of advance runners and score runs. And when the risk, the runners in scoring position hitting is great so far. We all know that. But yeah, you know, like everything in baseball, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to keep this up. And we'll get into that a little bit later. That's one of the things I want to address. But, you know, base running becomes even more important when you're not hitting with runners in scoring position and you're not scoring runs in the traditional way of maybe hitting home runs. So that being said, let's focus now on the, the runners in scoring position stuff. I think we all know the stats, but just as a refresher, this year they're second in batting average. They're at 295 as we tape this on Tuesday, first in on-base percentage with runners in scoring position. Second in slugging and second in OPS. Those are all very good numbers. I believe we are second in all of those numbers to the Colorado Rockies. So insert your high altitude, mile high jokes there. Last year, obviously, we know how horrible they were. Not as bad as you might think. They were 12th in batting average. This is the Yankees. 15th in on-base percentage, 7th in slugging, and 8th in OPS. Contrary to many beliefs, they were not terrible with runners in scoring position last year, but this year is obviously a huge jump, and they are, you know, top two team this year. One other thing I wanted to point out is the strikeout rate with runners in scoring position. Everyone's like, oh, well, that that must be the reason. Mm, Not really. It's about a half of a percentage point lower this year. So there are some differences, but that is not one of them. And like, you know, kind of like you guys mentioned, one of the better things, parts of their runners in scoring position, one of the more favorable parts, is that it's just not one hot guy that they're riding. It's not just DJ that's contributing. And that would be a big concern. If it was just DJ, who was the only one that was good, um, that would be a bigger concern for me because, you know, he can go into a slump just as easily as anybody else. Although, you know, maybe not as easily as Geo the God. But, but Glaber, Judge, and Luke Voigt, in addition to DJ, all have OPSs of over 1,000 with runners in scoring position, which is really incredible. I mean, that's talking, you're better than, that's like 75% better than league average. And then Hicks and Sanchez are really close to that. They're at a, they have a 970 OPS for Hicks and a 980 OPS for Sanchez with runners in scoring position. So we're talking like six guys that are at least 60 to 65% better than league average on this team. So that's kind of the one big big thing that I wanted to point out as a positive for their performance of runners in scoring position, kind of projecting it for the rest of the season. That's that's basically what I'm trying to, to look at here is how likely are the Yankees able to keep up this runners in scoring position, like incredible hitting. I mean, it, it's it's been it's been incredible. But the sustainability sustainability of it, I think, is the biggest question as we look towards the second half. So having a lot of guys doing well, that definitely improves your chances of, uh, of sustaining it. But then, you know, what I wanted to do is I just kind of wanted to dig a little bit further and kind of look at some of the st- stat cast metrics. Thankfully, we have all this stuff that kind of looks at some of the underlying things um, in terms of exit velocity, launch angle, you know, sweet spot, hard hit rate, those types of things. When you look at the stat cast stuff, the Yankees, obviously, they're overperforming what their expected metrics would be based on exit velocity and launch angle. Not hard to figure that out, you know, if you can look at their BAPIP. 
Um, I also looked at what the difference was between their actual batting average and their expected batting average. It's actually it's about 30 points, and which is not the biggest difference. It's the fourth biggest difference in the majors. So right now, there is some overperformance there. You can expect that to drop a little bit, I think. Doesn't mean that what they've done so far isn't great and they've earned it. So that's one little concern that I have is that they are overperforming the fourth highest uh, difference there. But they're doing really well in terms of the those underlying metrics that you want to see. They have the second highest hard hit rate with runners in scoring position. So they're not faking it. They're hitting it hard. They have the second highest barrel rate with runners in scoring position. Barrels, we know, are kind of the best possible outcome that you can have on a batted ball. It's like home runs and triples and doubles are all barrels, that type of thing. And they also have um, what I like to call, what it, what's called the, the six highest sweet spot rate. So that's in terms of the launch angle. So they're getting the sweetest possible launch angle when they hit the ball, the most optimal. So that they're six highest in that. So they're doing the right things. They've earned you know, kind of what their batting average and their slugging is so far. Um, maybe a little bit of over, you know, definitely overperforming, but it's not like they're just getting these little dinky lucky hits. Um, so that's a good thing. Now, one more thing I want to point out, and this is this is what I see as one of the bigger problems, and it goes, it actually relates back to the base running, is that I wanted to break down the different types of hits that you have with runners in scoring position, right? Because that kind of makes a difference, the way that I think about it. Are you getting just singles? A lot of times we know singles, with the Yankees being bad base running, they don't often score runs. Um, or are they just hitting home runs? I mean, home runs are great with runners in scoring position, but it doesn't add as much value as maybe, you know, it, it, it adds a lot of value, but they could be used other places. Like I say, you don't want to waste your home runs and waste your bullets. And... Uh, are you hitting any doubles or triples? Those, to me, I think are the most value added because those can advance the runner the most the most bases and have a better chance of scoring, obviously, than a single. So this is what I found. The Yankees are first. So this is, I'm looking at all plate appearances with runners in scoring position. The percentage of plate appearances that ended in a homer, they're first. So they're hitting. Nice. They're, that's why you see the barrels. That's why you see all those barrels. You see that all that hard hit rate. They're also first in singles, which to me is a little bit concerning because, as we mentioned before in the base running, they're not good at advancing on singles. Those were the two worst things, if you guys remember, in terms of the, their converting, going from second to home on a single and going from first to third on a single. That was their worst in the base running plays. But with runners in scoring position... That's their highest, they're, they're first in the league in the percentage of plate appearances that end in a single with runners in scoring position. And they're 28th in the percentage of plate appearances ending in a double or a triple. That, to me, is a problem. They're, you're either hitting a single or you're hitting a homer, basically, when you're a Yankee and you're in runners in scoring position. And I'd like to see them with more of those doubles and triples. Those are going to score the runs for sure. Obviously, the home run scores the runs for sure too, but you're not hitting as many of those. Those are less frequent than singles, um, and the doubles and triples are just basically non-existent for this team. Wow. Singles are bad. Singles are the worst thing in the world. That's what I've learned. Is is LeMayhew being so good 
and kind of a singles guy skewing that a little? I think that's I that was the first thing I think that I didn't dive into it, but that would be my best guess. I mean, we love DJ. We love the contact that he gets and singles are better than striking out. You know, singles are better than um than walking. Um singles are better than getting hit by a pitch, but they're definitely not as good as doubles or triples or or you know, and home runs. And I think that that is something that uh you know, I'm, I'm not saying how you fix that or anything, but I think that that's an area where the Yankees really need to, where really, where they could see some real improvement, if they started hitting some doubles and triples, um, in those key situations, you know, obviously the batting average would be the same, so people aren't going to be wowed by that. But what you're going to see is them scoring more runs with more consistency, and I think that that's something that really frustrates uh, fans, is when you know, obviously we're in a little bit of a swoon here as we as we take this on Tuesday. They've come into a little bit of a scoring funk in the last few, you know, last few maybe week or so since July, since uh, since the All-Star break, the ability, and I think that that kind of comes back to this problem of the fact that a lot of their plate appearances with runners in scoring position are ending in singles, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes don't, don't, those don't score runs. So that's why you can't really just look at batting average. It's great. It's a great stat. You know, it, it's fine to look at, uh, but you have to kind of look at the all the other stuff um, that the Yankees are doing with runners in scoring position. Man, runners in scoring position, how much of it is that's cuz people like some people like to say it doesn't matter. Like it's there's it's not different. Jake and I are firmly on the thing that clutch exists and there's more pressure when there's more on the line. A single, you know, when there's someone that can score, that's a more intense at bat than otherwise. So I wonder how much is pressing, how much is not pressing, how much I lost my train of thought. You're right. I think I think it's something, and uh, Katie's literally the best person I know to talk to about this because I ended up in a in an online thread with Tango Tiger uh, and Bill James once, and I was wow. like, "Holy smokes, am I over my head?" Whoa! Um, and it, it it was kind of about this topic, and it ties into RBIs, and you know, can you control that, et cetera, et cetera? And I I, I think kind of where you going is like, how much does that fluctuate from year to year? Because like at, at the same time, you've said Hicks has been very good this year, yet we all kind of know his lifetime bases loaded numbers and those kind of things. So, I mean, is, is this a natural fluctuation from year to year? And this is the or, – or can the Yankees just be good at this as a team, I guess? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the biggest question. And and this the numbers, are, you know, kind of the historical stats say that there's not really much correlation – between from year to year um, with teams uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. And, and we've seen that. Um, I mean, last year the Yankees were at 253. This year they're at 295. Granted, there's been different players, but um, teams fluctuate a lot. The one thing I will say is that it's actually sort of a it's, – it's, it's a pretty good predictor of a really good team, though. Um, it's hard to be – bad with runners, like terrible with runners in scoring position, and, you know, go to the World Series, win the World Series. So I, what I did is I actually looked at um, so the World Series winners the past few years and where they ranked with runners in scoring position. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, last year, Boston, first. 2017, Houston, they were first. Um, 2016, the Cubs, 
They were they're the one outlier. They were twenty first, um, but we know that they actually you know, they they made up for that by having an incredible defense and pitching and and whatnot. Um, Two thousand fifteen, the Royals they were second hitting with runner. This is just batting average, batter to runner scoring position. The Giants um, in two thousand and four in uh, two thousand fourteen they were seventh, so another top ten team. The Red Sox in two thousand and thirteen they were third. So we're going back, you know, however many years. The only team out of the top ten was those Cubs in two thousand and sixteen. So I'm not saying it's a predictor or anything, but it's it's you know it's it's hard to be really good and be really bad at it at the same time. Which I mean that doesn't really make sense. Obviously, I'm <laughs> kind of just throwing both you know BS out there or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's an important thing. But uh, like I said, it's not really a carryover like a year to year sustainability thing. Um, there are teams that remain that you can keep up a 300 batting average with runners in scoring position for a season. Like, so I looked up, um, going back to 1974, which is when we have basically complete data um, with runners in scoring position. Before that, it gets a little bit dicey. So I just went back to 1974, and there have actually been 14 teams with a batting average um, over 300 for an entire season with runners in scoring position. Uh, and that, the highest was by the 2013 Cardinals, which was 330. So in that span. Um, the highest by a Yankee team, uh, incidentally, is the 98 Yankees, who were at 299. So whatever, they just missed that number. But but yeah, that was a very good team. They were very good at the in scoring position. Correlation? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so I'm not saying that the Yankees are going to fall off and hit 250 the rest of the season. It's possible. Um, it's also possible that they can keep this up. You know, we've seen other teams do it. Um, and there are some positives and there are some negatives so far. But uh, I just thought it was important to kind of put what they've been doing into perspective and kind of give a little bit of some insight into what we can expect uh, for the second half of the season. Yeah. And one of the big question marks is a guy who's been struggling with the runners in scoring position and kind of just struggling right now altogether. With runners in scoring position, he has a 422 OPS, and that is DD. Gregorius, and we're getting to the point now where we got to start talking about him. Uh, who knows what he did today? Obviously, we were recording before Game Two versus the Rays. He did get a day off, but Didi's looked looked like he's in a funk. I think he's looked. I think he's trying to swing for a home run and not getting it. Trying to just break out right away. Uh, Katie, should we be really worried about Didi, or are we okay? Um. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be hitting the alarms right now. You know, obviously, he's got 106 plate appearances uh, so far this season as as we tape this on Tuesday, which is not enough to kind of look at, like, his batting average or his slugging or his Woba or whatever and say, oh, you know, he sucks. Um, but it is enough to kind of look at some of those underlying, like, swing plate discipline metrics and some of the stat cast data to find some stuff that is actually significant and that, uh, you know, that we can say with confidence, you know, this is kind of what he's done so far this season. Um, not predicting anything, but just this is, this is pretty, this is meaningful. Um, and I was just, I was like breaking down his, his season so far. And this is, this is pretty interesting. So we all know that he had a, uh, you know, he was hot for like a week, right? So he mm-hmm. had this six game stretch 
a um, couple weeks ago when he had multiple hits in each game. So during that six-game stretch, he was 13 for 27 and had uh, three homers, right? In his other 19 games, he's 13 for 76. That's a 171 batting average for those playing at home. Not good. 17 strikeouts, one walk, one homer. One double. So, uh, yeah, it's been bad. Overall, we can look at the numbers, those numbers. You know, I'm not saying, you know, obviously I said batting average. I'm not really looking at. What I did want to focus on are swing percentages, strikeout percentage, contact rates, and some of the StatCast metrics for exit velocity and, and whatnot. Um, because those are things that actually have stabilized so far at 100 plate appearances, and he's got about 80 balls in play. Um, so, some a couple things really jump out to me. The strikeout rate. We all know Didi has been, in his career, he's a very low strikeout guy. Career strikeout rate of 13, 13.5%, the major league average is 22%, right? Last year, he was at 12%. This year, he's already up to 19, he's up to 19%. Like I said, this is a meaningful thing. Strikeouts usually stabilize um, after about sixty plate appearances. So this is one of the this is what this is a concern for me. He's striking out more. Um, he has twenty strikeouts and three walks this season. Just to put, kind of put, put that in perspective, that's something we don't really ever see from Didi. Um, and uh, he, so. I looked at also I looked at walk rate, which is not quite as meaningful right now, but the three walks is something you know we know he's not a great walker. His his career walk rate is about six or seven percent. This year he's at three percent, below three percent, with those three walks. Um, so that's something I'm gonna you know I'm not too concerned about yet because like I said, it takes a little bit longer till you really know if that's a real stat or not. Um, but it's something to think about. Yeah. And but the strikeout rate is definitely a concern for me right now. For for me and Katie, tell me if this isn't fair because I I uh I was a Hicks or excuse me, just just spoiled everything. I was a a DD defender this offseason. I, I think if he comes out and starts playing good baseball, I think he's gonna get paid paid this offseason because quality shortstops don't hit free agency. It just doesn't happen. Um and uh, the comparison I've been making is Aaron Hicks. I mean, both these guys essentially missed out on the start of the season. Um, Hicks is still coming back for that second series, by the way. Um, but uh, Aaron Hicks, in his first conveniently 103 at-bats, um, hit 194. He was still walking, which I guess you'd say that's that's a big sign for Hicks. He had a 294 OBP, 644 OPS. Um, Didi Gregorius... Um, is currently kind of the same, 103 at-bats. He's not walking because that's kind of never been Didi's game, and he's got a 662 OPS. So, And and I think uh, one of the bigger takeaways that I think you and I agree on on this is it's it's not panic button time. It's it's kind of it, keep one eye on it. <laughs> it's um, if, if this continues, then we can find ourselves in, in a kind of a tough spot and kind of a – 
some interesting conversations would happen around Didi. Aaron Hicks, who I just mentioned in his past 16 games now, has hit 328 with a 406 OBP and a 1.026 OPS. So, and and I guess that's what and his numbers are almost online to what he does now. So I, I guess we're we're two good weeks away from saying good things about Didi again. But we we've hit the point where it's we should be watching out for this. Yeah, and. To me, there's a couple underlying things, like I said, that that are that are really concerning, that are just out of the out of the normal for for Didi. Uh, one of the things is he's just being he's being incredibly aggressive in terms of his swing percentage. Like I said, swing percentage is a real thing at this point, um, and uh, especially so. I, I'll just want to break out bring out some numbers here for you. So his overall swing percentage is increased from 51% last year to 60% this year that's pretty high and you know obviously he's increased both his swinging at pitches in the zone which is a good thing you know you want to be more aggressive in the zone but he's actually increased his his uh, swing percentage at pitches out of the zone at a higher rate which is a really bad sign so he is chasing 41 percent of pitches this year uh, that are out of the zone last year it was 33 percent um, and his career average is about 35, 36, um, and, and the MLB average is 28%. So right now he's at 41%. So he is just swinging at bad pitches. He's swinging at good pitches a little bit more too, but he's swinging a lot more at bad pitches. And, um, and just, he's, he's getting it, and he's also, what, what that means is he's getting behind in the count a lot. Um, so... I looked at that, and last year, 36% of the pitches he saw he was behind in the count, um, where MLB average is about 37%. This year, he's up to 47%. So almost half of um, half of the time, he's behind in the count. Yeah. And I think, you know, just this just seems to be a guy that is being, I think, too aggressive almost. And he's just a little bit anxious. He doesn't. He doesn't quite have his timing back as well. He has a lot more whiffs this year. His contact percentage. Um, we all. We, he's been a great contact hitter in his career. We know that. Mm. Um, you know, he's got an eighty percent contact uh, rate for his for his career. The major league average is about 76 percent. This year, it's below average, seventy four percent. So he's. I think it's just this guy is a guy that is. Is pressing. I think that that's what we're seeing. He's come off the IL. He's wanted to contribute, like you said. Maybe he's going for that home run swing, um, but he's he's swinging at, at everything. He's swinging at good pitches. He's swinging at bad pitches, um, and it, it's it's really hurt him. Uh, his hard hit rate down from thirty one percent last year to twenty four percent this year. Um, his sweet spot rate, which I mentioned, is kind of like the optimal. Um, angle that you want to hit the ball at down as well to below league average. Um, and uh, he's just, he's hitting a lot more grounders. And I think that that's, uh, you know, we're seeing it with our eyes and that's what the stats are saying as well. Yeah. Expanding the zones bad. And I'm guessing that expanding the zone leads to not barreling balls as well, which leads to more pop-ups and grounders and just less solid contact. So really I think in my opinion, it's just all about DDB pressing right now until yep. he can figure it out. Pressing, swinging at pitches he normally wouldn't. 
making bad contact with those pitches or striking out on those pitches. And uh, I'll bring it all the way back to that and just say once he tightens up his uh, his his zone and 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 stop swinging at bad pitches, I think everything will fall into place. And that's what I've been saying for the last couple of days. Uh, just I hope to see him after we record this. Uh, I hope we saw him with a little more patience and trying to do a little less with the bat. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I'm not in panic mode because yeah. you know he's got a great he he has a long track record. We know what he can do, um, and to me, it does seem like a classic case of pressing too much. Mm-hmm. And I think that once he calms down, I think once he maybe he. I think what he really needs to do is to go on another little bit of a hot streak and get some, you know, maybe some lucky hits even. That yep. type of thing where he gains that confidence that he know he's that he knows he's seeing the right pitches and he's swinging at the right pitches again. Because yep. that's not the DD that we know. We the DD we know is pretty controlled. I mean, he he does like to swing a lot um and make con- he makes contact a lot, but he usually has some pretty good pretty good discipline. Yep. And yeah, I'm 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 feeling confident over here because uh, in our pregame show today, which if you've been watching, thank you. If you haven't, check them out. Um, I, I told uh, two things. I told Jimmy, well, I picked Didi in the homer draft, so he's going to hit a bloop today and then his homer. That's going to give him the confidence, so I'm feeling good about that. Ye- yesterday, as you're listening to this. Yesterday, so en- enjoy that. That was me. And I told Jimmy that there was going to be a big – like bases clearing double in this game. And so there'll be runners on first and second, and that'll be our runners in scoring position double we just talked about before. So I'm a, I'm feeling pretty Nostradamus-y right now because that all totally happened in last night's game. Nostradamus. Nostradamus is what they call me. Um, Katie, we're, we're running a little long, and we are sweating in here, and we have to pick up a pizza before the game. Um, probably the most talking yank sentence ever um katie let's let's hit them with the sharpest stat quick and actually i have i have to give a shout out to mazer gaming uh they are they are supporting us lately we've partnered with them go check them out if you're into the gaming world if you're not into the gaming world go check them out uh cool guys uh they got some sweet gear too they've got a talking yanks promo code going they really like our vibe we really like their vibe. Go check them out at Mazer HQ. Say it, Jim. Mazer Gaming. Katie, let's let's hit them with the sharpest at, or you might have a couple uh, quick ones, but let's uh let's hit it and then let let Jimmy and I track down some za pizza and and air conditioning. But let let it rip, Kate. The sharpest stat. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll try and be quick here, um, in, for the sake of you guys. And I know, I know, uh, I know what what you're going through there. Um, so, I, I wanted to give some love to uh, to our man Brett Gardner this week. I feel like he deserves it. Uh, you know, he's he's been awesome. He's been incredible, and uh, he is not the great Gazoo though. That's what one of my Twitter wow. followers wanted to 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 compare him to the great Gazoo. But uh, I don't think he's he's quite at that level yet. Um, anyways, so what I want to talk about is Brett Gardner, who is basically the ageless wonder, right? He's what, like 35 now, 36 almost, I think. Yeah. Um, and still, this guy is a burner. He is a speedster. He has, so StatCast, what they do is they have uh, this metric called sprint speed, which is measured in feet per second. Um, and basically... 
you know, what they do is they you can time the the a player's runs from first to second, second to third, um, when when they're going hard. So Brett Gardner has a sprint speed of 29 feet per second, which is 17th out of uh, about 200 players with of the 90 of these timed runs, 90 of these uh, qualifying runs. Uh, so 17th out of 200. That's really really good. This guy, remember, is 35 years old. The average age of the 16 players ahead of him is 25 years old. Woo! So there you go. This is Brett Gardner, our god of the bases, <laughs> god base running, god of base running, um, who is just as fast as, you know, the Byron Buxton. I mean, not just as fast, but he's up there with, like, the Byron Buxtons, the Billy Hamiltons. Those are the top guys. They're all much younger than him, and here is 35-year-old Brett Gardner doing that. It's crazy and, that he oh, hasn't by lost the way, step. Oh, yes. Oh, by the way, he hasn't lost a step. Last year, his sprint speed was 29.1. 2017, 28.8. 2016, 28.7. 2015, 28.8. It's getting faster, Jake. As we get slower. It's getting a little bit faster. Yes, this is this is the incredible Brett Gardner. And, um, oh, by the way, he's basically uh, tied for the second most war on the team so far. That's fun. Behind DJ. Tied with Glaber. That's a fun what stat to want? end it on. Glaber, I mean, That's a good fun Brett stat. Gardner is aging Benjamin Button style on the base paths. I pulled up a not-so-fun stat that I was going to share, but I'm not going to share it now because mm-hmm. I like this one. This is a good one. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, well... Uh, Ageless wonder. Run, run Ageless. some different tests on Brett Gardner, Tom Brady, and Roger Federer because uh, uh, whatever they're doing is a lot different than me because yeah. we, we threw a couple balls on the boardwalk and I haven't been right for four days now. Yeah. So... That's Pathetic. A, ooh, late shots fired. All right. That about ends this episode of Sharp Stats. We thank everybody for tuning in as always. Tomorrow, Wednesday, is the Talking Yanks at the stadium. So anyone that's coming, we are very excited to watch the game with you. If you are at the stadium already, you can try and find us and come say hi. We'll all be wearing the same shirt. I think everyone will get a shirt. You don't have to put it on. We will be waving them. I don't know. Yeah, we'll be there. Come say hi. Thank you, as always. Katie, go tweet at Katie. Always tweet at Katie. And uh, go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.